0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of A Yank and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm your Swede, Sebastian Noren. With me, your Yank, Elliot Niblock. As you might be able to hear, I am not feeling 100%, but it is what it is, so we'll uh, power through. I apologize in advance if I cough or phlegm or sneeze, (laughs) die if I die during the recording. My bad.
1: Yeah, well, then nobody will know because they'll never get uploaded. That is true. That is very, very true. (laughs) So if you're hearing this right now, it means that Seb is alive. There you go. There you go.
0: Yep. Uh, We're going to recap what went down in Champions League and Europa League here midweek, and then we'll take a brief look at fixtures here in the Premier League over the weekend. Uh, If we take our time machine and go back to midweek first, and the first leg of the quarterfinals in the Champions League. Tottenham took a 1-0 win over Manchester City thanks to Hyungmin min Son, who had the lone goal of the game. So, slim margin there for Spurs, but still very good to get a positive result in the first leg and keep a clean
1: sheet. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And the the efforts that Son showed just to keep the ball in um, was remarkable in and of itself. Right. Um, And then the goal on top of that, I mean, it was one of the one of the individual goals of the season that could be one of the great individual goals in Spurs history, you know, depending on what the second leg ends up holding. But it was, you know, and again, from an Arsenal standpoint, I'm not always the quickest to praise Tottenham but this is a moment in which son had a phenomenal game throughout I mean honestly he nearly scored from distance shortly prior to scoring with that brilliant bit of individual skill so yeah credit credit to Spurs as a whole but son especially um, you know I think he is really the unsung hero in this team a lot of the time with the amount of attention that's given to Harry Kane. Yeah, the unsung
0: hero, that's right. Uh, and speaking uh, of
1: Harry Kane, it looks like he'll be gone
0: for the rest of the season here. He uh, injured his left ankle, a ligament inside the ankle. Uh, and, um, yeah, it looks like he'll most likely be gone for the rest of the season. That's a big blow for them.
1: It is a big blow. Uh, and, you know... He's a player who, and again, I, I've got all my Arsenal asterisks out here, but he's a player who there's always there's always transfer rumors around him, right? And so there there has to be, at least in the back of some Spurs fans' minds, goodness, is that is that the end of his Tottenham career? Now, I don't think so. I think he's going to stay. Um, and of course, you know, he's now on a big contract, but I... I, again, from my my own point of view, it's hard as all get out to go out of my way and praise a Spurs player, and yet I have to say, Kane, he if he ends up being the elusive, all but totally extinct one club man for Tottenham, even as an Arsenal fan, I'm going to have to take my hat off to him. But if I'm if I'm a Spurs fan, I'm worried because of the. You know, the players like Son stepping up, I'm not that worried, and yet it does it does make it seem like a Champions League trophy is going to be hard to lift without their talisman.
0: Yeah, that's true, and we've spoken about Kane before, how he is one of the best strikers in the game right now, and being without him, yes, that's, of course, a big, big blow here. So, um, also, Deli Ali, you know, having some troubles Um so it will be uh, up to players like Eriksson and Son to really step up here and and lead this team going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to admit that I, I think that they they can and should be proud of the result that they got at their home ground, <laughs> finally their own home ground. But I, I do not I do not expect them to go through against the city team without Harry Kane. Um, just because you know we just and again all credit to Son all credit to Ericsson, but no matter how much they step up, City just has so much depth. You know, City could lose Aguero. They could, you know they could honestly they could lose Aguero and Sterling, and still be favorites against Tottenham next week. Yeah,
0: no, that's true. They have a very very deep squad, but. Spurs have that clean sheet to go on. They have the one goal lead
1: here. In- yeah, I mean, all they have to do is they they nick a goal at the Etihad, and then suddenly it's it's theirs to lose. And then park the uh, bus.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Rason, I've rated him for a long time ever since he was in Hamburg, really, as a youngster, mm-hmm. uh, and then he went through a couple of years with Bayer Leverkusen before ending up in with the spurs so
1: um yeah good player i have a lot of career left ahead of him he's only set to turn 27 just yet this summer yeah so. and now he doesn't have to do that
0: mandatory military thing either
1: yeah which i think is obviously a, a good thing for everyone yeah i mean and again even as i i know i'm harping on this here but as a fan of the arch rivals i, I don't you know, I never want I never want to see a particularly strong Tottenham side, but it would also just be objectively, it would be a sad thing for fans of football, regardless of their stripe, if Son heung was not allowed to play through the entirety of his prime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: I mean, I still I don't want the rivals to do
1: well, but I
0: still want them to have a good enough team so it mm-hmm. doesn't become, you know. Because then you lose some of that flavor to to the rivalry.
1: Yeah, you want to you want to beat a strong rival because then it means more.
0: Yeah, but you don't want to be twenty one or uh, nineteen points behind your rivals. No, no. <laughs> which this is, is the, not a thing. Which is wants. the case? Which is the case right now for Manchester United? Hey, there, there we are. go. Uh, segue into their game. It was a uh, one nothing defeat at home to Barcelona.
1: Yeah, and this is going to be a game of ruining missed chances for United. I mean, they only had a third of possession, and yet they had almost twice as many shots as Barca. And, I mean, there's one, there's one kind of fluffed volley by Rashford that sticks out in my mind in particular, when it was, I believe, still nil-nil at the time, um, that United fans will likely look back to and say, well, that was... One of a bevy of chances. Uh, I thought it was a little harsh on Luke Shaw to give him an own goal on that. Yeah, I mean, it was deflected, but it was well on target. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure that he was the difference between conceding and not there. But you know, the... no, that's true. I feel like Suarez could have gotten that
0: one. Um, but I mean, it, there, there's just class difference between these two sides, really. I mean, yeah, it, I'm not getting too upset about it. They still pulled one out of their butts against PSG. So, uh, you know. Well, the referee
1: pulled it out of somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see if,
0: we, if that can happen in Spain, too, for the return leg. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. But I, I don't feel like there's too much to say about this game, really. Barcelona, they are the better team.
1: Uh, it's pretty, pretty clear cut. Yeah, uh, and I think that you could even make an argument that it's really, well, I don't know. I mean... Juve are great too, but I think it's pretty much down to them and City for the favorites. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, Juve are certainly not clean through, or neither are City by any means.
0: No, uh, we should say Liverpool took a two nothing win over Porto at home. Keita and Firmino with the goals there. Just solid performance by Liverpool, really. Um, so I don't really see them slipping up here. It's the same thing there. It's just a class difference between the two sides. Porto has yeah. done a Porto has done an fina- fin- amazing job getting to this point, but now they're, you know, they're sort of slugging above their weight here.
1: Yeah, but then again, uh, another team slugging above their weight. That's uh, going to be. Ajax, and here they are, granted they conceded an away goal, but on um, even terms with Juve after the first leg. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I
0: although Ajax, I feel like they're sort of a, a special case here too. They have, they have sort of regained their, you know, if you take a look back, maybe what, God, I feel so old when I say these dates, but, you know, like mid to late 90s, early 2000 Ajax teams where they were just churning out all these top, you know, really top-level prospects that went on to have great careers.
1: Yeah, their their academy definitely had a bit of a dip in form, but it is it's certainly back now with the bevy of young talent that they've got on their team. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that they had over
0: 60% of possession against Juve, yeah, it's a 1-1 draw after the first leg, but I still give them a great chance of going through. And it's, it's nice to see. What's not so nice to see is all the crap that went on before the game between the supporters. Um, Hundred, I think it was 120 people arrested before the game. Yeah, it's um, unnecessary. Um, really, I mean, we should be celebrating the football and not, you know, making a bunch of ruckus and fighting each other. It's just, just, yeah, stupid. And,
1: just stupid. Well, yeah. And I mean, the... Don't get me wrong, I I want to throw a cup of beer at Ronaldo as much as the next guy a lot of the time, but the the refuse that rained down upon them after they scored the goal near the end of the first half was also just, it's needless, you know, it's needless, because you, you, like you throw something in the heat of the moment, yeah, an empty plastic cup is not the most dangerous ballistic missile you can think of, but... You never know, right? And you, you start allowing that, and then suddenly there are batteries, and then suddenly there's a beer bottle, and then suddenly you you know you get somebody really well and truly injured. Yeah. And there's no place for it in the game. There's just none.
0: Nope. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I think it was Luis Figo after he made his move. They threw in a severed pig's head. <laughs> And then Garma. one time at the San Siro, they tossed a burning moped down from the upper uh, upper level of the stands down to you, the lower level. I mean... Uh, what again, the hell? What the hell? I mean, how do you get a moped in and then you take it up to the upper level and then you turn, you light it on fire?
1: Yeah. Uh the the one bit of qualifying I'll say is to their credit, the pig's head at least takes both a lot of foresight and a strong stomach to sit through any measure of a football match with a Severn's pig's head at your side and not not be worried about it. I imagine it was a drunk ultra butcher who probably brought it in. <laughs> yeah, or he just went to
0: the hey, I need
1: a pig's head. <laughs> oh, you okay. so, you making some head cheese? Uh, nope. Sure.
0: I'm throwing on Figo. Oh, here, it's free. <laughs> Gratis. Yeah. Yeah. Gratis. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, off track there, but uh, some good stuff in the first leg. We'll uh, hopefully get some more good action here next week. Uh, Europa League. Arsenal took a 2-0 win at home against Napoli. Goals by Aaron Ramsey and then an old, own goal by the man that many United fans want to see at Old Trafford. Kalidou Koulibaly.
1: Uh yeah, and you know regardless of that own goal, this is another one. I think this one is probably even a little more fair than Luke Shaw's own goal, but it was still it was a massive deflection that you know he didn't know much about. It wasn't a gaff by any means. He's still a player that I also rate very highly, and I would be happy to see him you know playing for my club. This was a little bit of a weird one. Um, Arsenal dominated. They dominated without having the majority of possession. They put seven shots on target, 16 shots total. But that less than half of their shots being on frame, this is one that – it's a strange feeling because, yeah, seven shots on target, 16 shots. It could have been 5-0 to Arsenal, um, which is frustrating. And yet our frequent defensive lapses that continue even at home – Uh, It also could have been 2-2. So I think that you have to be pretty happy from uh, Gunnar's perspective going into the second leg with a two-goal advantage over Napoli. Uh, Obviously, it's going to be harder in Naples to begin with. Also, beyond that, given Arsenal's woeful away form, uh, that's going to be tricky as well. To be frank, though, I actually think I like our chances against Napoli regardless of the class of their squad, which is high, and it should be said that it's high, I like our chances away at Napoli better than our chances away at Watford. Just because there seems to be some kind of strange mental tick. Uh, Call it a character flaw, weakness mentally, whatever. But our struggles away from home, they've been across the board, but they seem to be a little bit more of kind of uh, a... uh, you know, a uh, hump to get over domestically. And I I expect Arsenal... Let me knock on the wood. I expect Arsenal to qualify over Napoli in the Europa League. I don't expect all three points against Watford, even though I'm sure the bookies will have it opposite. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: this is Unai Emery's favorite tournament. Mm-hmm. He's won it several times, so... You know, I can definitely see him getting done with Arsenal, too. Uh, Chelsea, they got a one nothing win on the road against Slavia Prague. Marcos Alonso with the lone goal in that one came in late, 86th minute. But if you're Chelsea, I mean, hey, one nothing on the road, take it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, it, it, they, they left it late, but they've got an away goal advantage. Uh, as much as I just spoke confidently about Arsenal's chances, I am yet more, even maybe supremely confident that the Blues advance out of this quarterfinal.
0: Yeah. And okay. then Benfica took a 4-2 win over Eintracht Frankfurt. And then Valencia took a 3-1 to win in the All Spanish meeting against Villarreal.
1: Yeah, got to give my little shout-out to Santi Cazorla with the penalty. Granted, it's not going to make much difference, it would appear. Um, But, you know, certainly frustrating because that penalty was an equalizer and it remained the equalizer for the full 90, and then it was only in stoppage that uh, it conceded too quickly.
0: Yeah, Daniel Voss scored in the 90th minute, and then Gonzalo Guedes, who had two goals in this game, scored in the 93rd. So, uh, yeah. But we'll see what happens there. But all good stuff. All good stuff. Moving over to the Premier League. We had one game here on Friday as we recording. Newcastle took a one and nothing win over Leicester on the road. As a king power, uh, Jose Perez with a long goal.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: good, good win for Newcastle. They are now up to 13th place pending the other games here over the weekend.
1: Yeah, and they... This is another... I mean... Another moment in which they had less than a third of possession. They had 28% possession, but they looked hungry. They wanted it. Um, I mean, you know, they're they're really playing for something in a way that Leicester are not so much because Leicester are there's no way that they're going to be in a top five race, not at all. And it's 47 points, and they're totally safe. They're going to be a mid table finish. Um, yeah, you might want to play for some pride to try to finish ahead of Wolves, Everton, Watford, but they didn't have that much to play for. And, like, they they looked dangerous at times, but Newcastle were fighting for their lives, and with all three points, they're just about well and truly safe now. I think Cardiff now needs to win something like four of their last five matches, uh, which, having... Won one of their last their previous five. It's it seems a foregone conclusion for Cardiff, uh, but you know at Newcastle's joy. So it was this was a moment in which it's rare to see a team get dominated in possession so much and still speak about them as the club that seemed to really want it more. But you know that was true of the Tunes today. Yeah, Cardiff
0: they got that pretty much win-or-die game against Burnley here tomorrow. Um, Mm -hmm. Burnley's picked up two wins in a row here against uh, Wolves and Bournemouth. So that's definitely one game to keep an extra eye on on Saturday. Um, But first, we got 7.30 Eastern AM kickoff between Spurs and Huddersfield. That can get ugly.
1: Yeah, I, and this is well. It can get ugly, but I, you know, as I was just speaking about teams wanting it more, uh, I don't, don't like. I'm not about to put a tenor down on Huddersfield in this match. You know, they they haven't wowed anyone. They haven't looked impressive. Uh, as we all know, they're already relegated. But yeah, they're playing. They're playing for pride. They're playing for pride against a Spurs team that are going to be tired from a midweek fixture, have another crucial midweek fixture to look forward to, that is going to already have to rely on its broader class of players beyond its number one primo superstar, going to be probably a, at least a little bit morally kind of deflated with the news of Her- the severity and Harry Kane's injury. Yeah, it could get ugly, but don't, Don't count out a Huddersfield point just yet.
0: Okay. Well, how heavily would you rotate your squad if you're Pochettino? Well, that's the tricky thing, right? Is because... I mean, really, you're going up against a side that has 50 less points.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, you've got to rotate heavily, but the thing is that if they crash out, if they lose this match, even if they drop two points in this match, and they end the season crashing out of the Champions League, yeah. losing, like, finishing behind Arsenal, uh, they'll they'll crucify him. And, you know, maybe to some degree, rightfully so. Because, because this is a game that the... I mean, and this is where really the kind of... the strategy of management in football is so important. Um, and how's... it's not just... I would say the question is not only, or maybe not merely, how much is he going to rotate the squad, but exactly how is he going to set his team up, right? Yep. Uh, because you can't go full rotation. I mean, I think, I think what you try to do in this game is you rest a couple of players, um, you know, but you've got to try to go for it early. Try to put it to bed by halftime, and then make. Two halftime substitutions and your third at 70 minutes, and you know, worst case scenario, you go down a man and you have to kind of park the bus playing with ten. But I would not, I would not be surprised to see him rotate particularly heavily defensively because you want Bertongian and Alderweireld to be at their sharpest. I'm, I'm maybe even Trippier and Rose as well. I mean, I, I think you can't really rotate the entire back line, but but I, if I'm if I'm Pochettino, I actually rotate more defensively in order to keep those guys fresh, mm-hmm. and then so I start Erickson and Song, and I say, guys, go out there like this is a relegated team. We're playing at home. We've got a brand new stadium. You should shellack them. It should only take you 45, and then you're gonna you're gonna never go out on that pitch again in the second half, and then that's gonna be that. Um, because, and I think that that's it's a statement to make about caring about the Premier League for one thing. Uh, it's a statement about you know the fitness of your players for another, expecting them able to do this, even if you're gonna rotate the back line. I, just, I think that the, the worst-case scenario for Tottenham is to rotate heavily, concede a silly goal, end up in the 70th minute, down one, even on even terms in the 70th, and then bring in Eriksen and Son and watch them work really hard for an equalizer or a winner they never find. Because then you're still you're still fatiguing them physically and you're adding a whole other level of mental fatigue to it. And I think that if you can at least avoid one of those, I'd much rather play some of my best players 45 minutes versus 20 minutes and try to have the game put to bed by the half.
0: Uh, I mean, this would have been a good game for a player like Cameron Carter or Vickers if he wasn't yeah. out on loan.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's... That's, again, one of the broader kind of long strategic decisions that you have to make at a football club is there are going to be moments. And, and, I mean, unless you've got the kind of infinite money cheat code of a Manchester City and you have this insanely deep moneyed squad, but there are going to be moments when you want that player out on loan. You just have to decide, okay, are those one, two, maybe three matches going to be worth it? For me to potentially kind of stagnate your development or frustrate the player and risk losing them, uh, I don't know. It's a it's a tricky it's a tricky situation, you know. Uh, and and I think that it's one that Arsenal have had to consider by sending out on loan players like Emile Smith Rowe or choosing to you know hang on to Eddie Nketiah. Uh, so it's it's tricky, but yeah, this is a game that I would love to have Carter Vickers for or I punch.
0: Well, I mean, you you figure that he should be in the first team conversation next season, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And if he's not, then he should move on. Yeah, I mean, he's got to. He's got to. Uh, Yeah, and I think that I think that it's probably a somewhat similar situation to um, uh, uh, DeAndre Mm Yedlin and. And that yeah you know he had a couple loan spells he found himself still on the outs of the team granted you know, he had uh, a lot of talent in front of him uh, and he chose to leave and you know what doing great at Newcastle yep. uh, and I think that that has been phenomenal for his development because again you want to be you want to be playing in the best league in the world but it's important that you're playing and not just watching because you know. Uh, any silver spoon, wealthy 20, 21-year-old can sit in the stands and watch every Premier League match. You've got to be out there on the pitch.
0: No, that's very true. Very, very true. Uh, 10 a.m. games, we've got Brighton against Bournemouth. Then that Burnley-Cardiff game that we spoke about earlier. Fulham takes on Everton. Southampton, goes up against Wolves. And then the twelve thirty kickoff is Manchester United against West Ham. Uh, important game for United. They sit in 6th place right now, 61 points after losing to Wolves in their last league game. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting still here. Battle of the top four. You got Chelsea in third, 66. Spurs fourth, 64. Arsenal fifth, 63. So you can't afford to lose any more games here, United. Uh, you yep. lost two in your last five league games. That's too many. Yep. So, um,
1: we just... should say we should say, however, that uh, Spurs, Arsenal, and United do all have a match in hand over Chelsea. Yes. Yeah. So that that five point gap between United and Chelsea is not quite as large as it might otherwise seem, especially at this stage mm-hmm. in the season. Yep, yeah, and hopefully after the weekend it will be only be two points. Uh, well, we'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll see, because. Chelsea travel to Anfield to take on Liverpool on Sunday.
1: Boy, yeah, that is a game I am really looking forward to.
0: That is a game. That's right. That is a game. That's um, 11.30 kickoff Eastern time on Sunday. The early game is Crystal Palace at home to Manchester City. That's the 9.05 kickoff. And then we got Watford against Arsenal on Monday.
1: Yeah, I mean, as, I, as I said, this is a, a tricky fixture for Arsenal, I think, uh, and maybe even a little trickier for Arsenal. Um, in tr- and it, similar, similar squad rotation questions for Unai Emery as for Pochettino. That said, Watford have had a much better season than Huddersfield. Spurs are at home. Granted, they haven't had that long to break their home in, but home nonetheless – and Arsenal's away form has been woeful to say the least, so it, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, from a Gunner's perspective, you've got to just be kind of hoping that at least one of your rivals drop some points this weekend. Because, yeah i i don't I don't know that we're going to get more than certain. I mean, if we play anything like the abject kind of garbage that we saw at Goodison Park from Arsenal anything like that then a point is lucky yeah yeah and it's sort of a
0: toss-up here I mean if you look at squad decisions for Liverpool and Chelsea too because this is a big game they're both in need of those points here Uh, they're both in two different races but I mean Liverpool battling it out with City at the top and then Chelsea trying to you know keep their hands on the top four spot here
1: (laughs) Well, and they're also in two different races, obviously, in the Champions versus Europa League. But they are also both in similar situations of having a pretty good handle after the first leg on their respective ties. Yeah. I so mean, this is—I
0: assume both teams would feel their strongest side here.
1: First strength, gotta be. I would be. It would be uh, almost, well, almost criminals, hyperbole, but <laughs> almost criminal not to for either manager. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's going to be all hands on deck for both teams. Yep.
0: And it should be all hands on deck to watch that game because that's uh, got to promise to be a good one.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm already looking forward to it. Yep.
0: Okay, with that, we're going to wrap things up. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norrin. Elliot is Keats was better and gave one Yank, one Sweet a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again next week. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.